everybody, and welcome to another new episode of Live from Pawnee. I'm Alan, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Mark. Mark, how are you on this fine, fine day? Well, hey, Sir Alan of the Roundtable there. I am doing fantastic. How about you? I am doing great. Did you have a nice Christmas break? I um, I had a wonderful, relaxing Christmas break where I did nothing, and it was everything I thought it could be. I, I've... I love that reference, and mm-hmm. I, I love the fact that you made that a reality even more. Oh, my god! It's gosh. my biggest dream. I know. You're, you're just jealous. I am jealous. <laughs> I did not achieve that. Um, my next best hope is New Year's Eve, so mm. I'm going to give that a shot. Now, you guys celebrate how many Christmases? Uh, like 12. Right. No, it's, it's really only two. Well, no, it's three, technically, I suppose. We have our family Christmas at home in the morning. We go over to my in-laws in the afternoon, and then a week later, we have Christmas with my family on New Year's Eve, kind of a weird tradition we started many years ago because of busy schedules. and Yeah, I, I think that uh, we just do one now. And then there's something I do the day after, which is where I sit down with an entire ham. And that's just between me and the ham. But <laughs> other than that, just the one. <laughs> Look, I never question what a man does on his own time. No, no. Yeah, no. It's your business. Yeah, ham business is your own business. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, Mark, we're talking about season four, episode two, Ron and Tammy's. Tammy's, yes. Plural Tammy's. Yeah. Uh, this episode runs about 2137, and it first aired on September 29th, 2011. This episode was directed by Randall Einhorn, who we know from Always Sunny in Philadelphia, The oh, Office, yeah. Fargo, yep. uh, of course, Parks and Recreation, and The Mick, and then written by our buddy Norm Hiscock. Oh, we like him. We like Norm. He's Good our guy. buddy. They, they, his, his lawyers let you say our buddy, just Actually, not your buddy. he's the only one that hasn't filed a, a restraint against us yet for calling them our buddy. Oh, well, that doesn't speak very well for him. No, he's not. <laughs> Norm needs to upgrade. Yeah, yeah. Well, Mark, are you going to kick us off with our synopsis today to go and, with the, the Tammy's? Yes, it's it's plural in the making. Synopsis, here we come. Incoming. Four, three, two, one. I broke this down into three stories. So the A story I have as titled Tammy Battle Royale. Leslie prepares for a budgetary battle royale with the other departments counting on Ron as her secret weapon, but finds out he is too busy preparing for a tax audit served to him by Tammy One. Uh-oh. Leslie, Andy, and April try to help Ron by sorting through his assortments of odds and ends that serve as receipts, I guess. <laughs> Tammy One arrives horrified at his record keeping, demands access to every part of his life for the audit, and over the next week... Oh, Tammy one moves back in with Ron, assumes complete control over his life. Oh, God. Ron even shaves off his mustache, becomes kind and refuses to do anything without Tammy one's approval. What is happening? Speaking of which, what will happen? How will Ron get past the IRS audit? Can anyone or anything stop Tammy one? (laughs) What in the world is Swanson family mash liquor? Stay tuned to find out. Dot dot dot. Very nice. I, I titled my A story the Taminator. <laughs> <laughs> Apropos, right? I like it. Yeah. I like it a lot. All right. So my B story I titled Bankrupt 720. <laughs> I like that. Tom asks Ben to look over the Entertainment 720 finances, at which point Ben discovers Tom and John Ralphio are wasting huge amounts of money on a state-of-the-art office. Definitely. Giving employees high salaries for doing nothing, uh, paying, you know, Detlef Shrimp and Roy Hibbert to play basketball all day. You know, the huge, uh, all despite having no income. And Ben becomes... That's important. 
you, you think. So Ben becomes alarmed and is determined to make sure that Tom and John Ralphio understand the freaking situation they're in. How will this turn out? Can Tom and John Ralphio turn things around? Is printing their own money an option? <laughs> what is the party switch? Stick around. All will be revealed. Dot, dot, dot. Very, very nice. I, I, since I went with a movie theme on the Taminator, yeah. I made all of my movie titles today. I can't wait. What yeah, was so it? Storyline B for me was The Firm. <laughs> Right. I mean, you know, like when you're in, they get the dirt on you. Stuff's going down at E720. We know this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's got to be. Yeah. Wilford Brimley is hiding in a closet somewhere watching Ben. I think deep down we all need a Wilford Brimley is hiding in a closet somewhere. <laughs> we definitely need his mustache in this episode. Holy cat. <laughs> yes, we do. That's good. That's good. You are clever. All right. So my, my third one, my C story, I entitled Unleash the Traeger. Anne wants to update the health department's public service announcement for diabetes. She meets with Chris, explains the situation, and asks if he would like to help her make a new PSA. Fortunately, Chris is excited and immediately agrees and drops everything to help. Unfortunately, Chris is overly enthusiastic, to say the least. Whew, his his OCD turning something Anne hopes will take I'm guessing one to two hours into something that lasts over a week. And Anne is so bored and miserable, she starts to wonder why she even dated him in the first place. What will happen? Will they ever complete the public service announcement? Why did Anne ever date Chris in the first place? Does Chris have the same wardrobe as the Spice Girls? <laughs> Hang in there, podcast viewers. Only time will tell dot dot dot. Very nice, Mark. I, I like it. I like that we are in lock, lockstep on all three storylines. Mm -hmm. No de uh, derivation there whatsoever. Yeah. I could not come up with a good movie title for this one, like of a movie oh, we'd all recognize. I, it man. fell apart here. And I'm like, I reconsidered. But then I said, no, screw it. I'm just going to make up one. Mine was Diabetes PSA, the movie. Because it's about the length of a movie, but in as much wow. effort as because of Chris's type anus. Yeah. Yes. Onset type anus. <laughs> Hopefully they caught it early. <laughs> oh, only time will tell. Yeah, I hope very so nice. too. Well, Mark, very nice job on the synopsises. Let's get into our AKAs real quick and then we'll jump into our breakdown. Yeah. So I, I, um, I, I realize I don't really have any uh, I don't have any organization around my AKs anymore. I used to be all organized and there was a method of the madness. Now I'm just haphazard and slipshod. Yeah, there's no point in pretending any longer. No, I don't pretend. So I have two. And I don't know what story they come from, but these are just things I think are funny. I think both of them are from the A story now that I look at them. So the 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 runner up comes from Ron when he's been, let's say, transformed, uh, unfortunately, uh, into, uh, a, a, I think the term is a neutered wimp at one uh -huh. point. And, right. and, and he's, he's helping a Pawnee citizen. Gah. And then what's worse is he shakes the dude's hand and says, I hope the rest of your day is cool beans. Gives him a thumbs up. Like, yeah, come on. Right. That's very funny. That's all um, kinds of not right. And then my first place one, uh, comes from April. And it's after she had her first big in-person um, 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 meeting. You know, it's when Tammy one comes into Ron's office. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and April is just ha has now experienced the full <laughs> Tammy oneness, not just a, a, a one yeah. shot as she leaves the room. Yeah, you know, full on. And April's brief talking head is she's the cold, distant mother I never had. 
I love her. <laughs> Which, you know, is so April. So it is so April. Would you have? Well, Mark, I decided to, to be organized this week and I did one per storyline. Nice. Yeah. Don't make, hold me to that standard ever again. But you know, All right. this week we're good. Bars high. So from the A storyline, uh, I just, you know, this is where Ron has been transformed into the neutered wimp as well. Y'all. <laughs> He, he, I think he learned, he, he shares something with Leslie. He learned about caring for himself that seems to be pretty common knowledge to everyone in the world. And he goes, science is a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Then on the B storyline, um, well, check that. As I look at my B storyline and my C storyline, I'm wrong. Uh, my other two AKAs are both from the same storyline, and they're both from the PSA storyline. Ah, all yeah. right. Mr. Muckety Muck always doing your research there. You know what? I, I hate <laughs> thinking I'm prepared for something and then finding out because the universe tells me I'm not, that I'm not, in fact, ready. See, I've always thought that. Drives that, me crazy. That, that's why I just gave up 10 years ago. Just why try? Yeah. See, I'm never disappointed. It's my motto for 2022. The, why try? And that makes the great We're human being. We're getting shirts, Mark. <laughs> I think you're onto something. All right. Anyway, yeah. here they are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Since we've talked about this enough already, I had two from the, the C storyline. Huh. Diabetes, the movie. That's that one. weird. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Chris says, fat equals splat, as in you're dead. <laughs> Which, again, could be a t-shirt. Yeah, sure. You're really good. Uh, and then in his manic, Mark, his manic phase... He's like, you know what? That probably was okay. But, you know, let's just do one more mm -hmm. and then five more mm -hmm. and then 20 in a row. Yep. <laughs> yep. God. Why not? Yeah. I guess uh, overprepared Leslie can uh, bleed into overprepared Chris. Can you even imagine what he would be if he had like a double cappuccino? Because this is him on nothing. You know, you know, he's like almost cleanse level with what he puts in his body. You're, you're probably right. Yeah. He would probably. Oh, my gosh. He'd be like this all the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, nice like job him. on the AKs, Mark. Yeah. Yeah. Should we get into our breakity down? Yes. Let's get into the breakdown. Well, we have um, uh, our, our cold open today. It's 78 seconds. It's plot relevant. And uh, we're at City Hall and we see Leslie in a, a conference room of some sort. Uh, I figured you'd have the name of the conference room, but you know. Not today. Oh, okay. Again, okay. why try? <laughs> well, I, oh, I like this. I'm new, invoking now. I like this new alley. Yeah. I got to tell you. Um so they're just in a conference room uh, and they're talking to the gang, which in this case is April, Andy, Donna and Jerry. And, they, and she's talking to him about a big upcoming budget meeting and how uh, Ron is their secret weapon on account of he stares people down. And then they're like, oh, nothing. I don't want anything, you know, because, <laughs> you know, you can believe that. And then she goes to Ron's office uh, to check on him only to then learn about the IRS audit that he received from Tammy one uh, at the end of the previous episode. Right. And we see Ron dumping a huge bag of odds and ends on his desk, which apparently this is his version of receipts. And he's trying to prepare for the IRS audit. So determined to help, Leslie summons April and Andy, uh, her flying monkeys, uh, to and prepares to settle in. You know, like all three of them are going to help Ron. Yeah, I like this cold open. Not as much as I like some of them, Mark. But uh, I, I thought it was also interesting, too, that. Andy might want to learn the basics of office and I don't mean the software. I mean like the difference between a Rolodex and a calculator. Oh my gosh. That's, that's so funny. 
Like, and what shows could you get a big laugh out of someone just stumbling into a door and handing someone a Rolodex? You know, it's a great combination of uh, Andy owning his character and a little bit of physical comedy. A little bit. Yeah. You, know, you know what I really like too? that just right before that, when Leslie first calls them, is it Andy, April? And they both come in and the way that they respond is so funny. Andy in his typical Labrador retriever wanting to yeah. please you says, yeah, yeah. what's up, boss? Yeah. And April, stop yelling and being annoying. <laughs> Like he's a dog and she's a cat. Kai? Oh my God, you just blew my mind. <laughs> yes, they are. That's brilliant. <laughs> Andy Dog and April Cat. Oh, that's a Nickelodeon show somewhere. <laughs> I'm almost positive. <laughs> if not, it should be. Well, Mark, from there, the primary episode opens up in the courtyard. And apparently Ben has a new friend, a new bestie. Oh. And, and all I can say is that with friends like this, he may want to aim just a bit higher. Per- perhaps. Ish. So, yeah, like you said, Ben's sitting outside in the courtyard, which we've frequently seen. That pigeons everywhere, by the way. Did you notice that? <laughs> I did. Good Lord. Like more than normal. It made me a little nervous. It made me a little nervous, I was too. Kinda like my, I was like, kind of crouching a little bit. It was a little Hitchcockian. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, so, Ben's sitting in this uh, pigeon-strewn <laughs> courtyard of <laughs> death and he's sitting at this table and he's waiting for tom who apparently uh texted him to me to have lunch hang out you know whatever yeah. and tom arrives and ben's happy to see him and then tom reveals his you know real reason go figure he wants ben to look at some entertainment 720 documents because they're complicated and well he's a nerd and <laughs> ben is eventually talked into it because he's a good guy and break yeah. evens are fun and tom actually goes so far as to say come with me right now to look at them even though you're at work well i, I think they have uh differing priorities here let's say it that way oh for sure yeah for sure I, I like ben's initial reaction to you know being called a nerd he's like yeah no no i just put on my star wars pajama and sit in my mom's basement pour over some spreadsheets yeah, that sounds great. And it's like he's he's making fun of him like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to do that. Yeah. And then all Tom has to do is like, well, there's something called break even analysis table. Then all of a sudden, you know, oh, the, the, oh, those the, are fun. Yeah. The facade comes off like, oh, break even. Those are actually really fun. Yeah, of course. I'll take a look. OK, <laughs> he got played is what happened. <laughs> he certainly which, did. Which, again, they wrap up in Tom's little kind of weird talking head where he says it's just, you know, it's like it's it's too easy. And Ben goes, I can hear you. He goes, I know you can, Ben. That's how easy it is. That's how easy it is. Yikes. (laughs) Well, over in Ron's office, Operation Save Ron is underway. And we've learned that Ron has a very specific form of documentation when it comes to his expenditures. Uh, Basically none, I guess. Yeah, at least it's consistent. Yeah. So, yeah, Leslie, April and Andy are with Ron in his office and they're sorting through all of his odds and ends still looking for anything resembling a receipt at all. And they determine that, A, he has no bank statements. Nope. B, sometimes just has pictures with people to serve as gentlemen's agreements or the like. Mark, I have to talk about the gentleman's agreement. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But keep going. All right. C, he does spend $140 a month to send shotgun Mm. shells and cigarettes home to his mom. And D... He is invested heavily in gold and buried it in several different locations around Pawnee. Or have I? (laughs) Uh, I did the opposite. I invested in Bitcoin, Mark. And (laughs) it's it's almost gone. So, yeah, I know. I know. But we'll talk about that off here. (laughs) But I want to circle back to the gentleman's agreement. Yes. Which 
I love this picture and it's this very earnest picture of him and this other guy shaking hands. And, and Ron explains that, you know, this picture is meaningful because it, it is this gentleman's agreement. Uh, it, he made a dining room table in exchange for 60 feet of copper pipe and half a pig. That sounds like something our friend Jay would do. Well, it's it's not far off. And so I spent some time oh, no. and I did a deep dive. Okay. So I can't wait. Again, these, these are not ad- uh, inflation adjusted, uh-huh. but based on today's numbers, mm-hmm. uh, six. And I'm going to assume that Ron got a quality level copper pipe, not the stuff you get at Lowe's or Home Depot, right? Like right. a good plumbing, one inch, you know, thick, good copper pipe, and a, and a quality half pig, like well, like the one from the end of Charlotte's yeah, Web. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Did you just say the one? It, that almost went right past me. You just said, oh. That's not right. I know this is not a show for kids, but now you've traumatized me. I just wanted to see if I could like send it past you. And you're like, yep, Charlotte's Web. Hey. I'm glad it happened now and not like <laughs> later tonight lying in bed. I, I would have had dreams. Uh, bad ones. No, we love Wilbur. All right. So anyway, the gentleman's agreement. All right. Uh, it's tasty as Wilmer, Wilbur would be. Uh <laughs> 60 feet of copper pipe is is roughly about $1,200. Okay. A, a half pig. Mm-hmm. And this is where you basically deliver a whole pig. But they take care of it in ways we won't talk about, Wilbur. You basically say, hey, Mr. Butcher Man, I would like half a pig. Mm-hmm. And of course, he t- gives you half a pig. Someone else will get the other half. Mm. But if you were to get half a pig, it's mm-hmm. going to run roughly $525 to $575. So I've got oh a combined my. value of about $1,750 on this gentleman's agreement for a dining room table, which I think is pretty good. I've seen Ron's work and I would pay that. For, for I'll give him a whole pig. For, for You know what? For, for a Ron-made table, yeah. I would agree with that. Like for a table that... I would make, I would say. Or the one Michael made in the office. That even better. Is yeah, that yeah. hickory or pine? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, Mark, from there, we move over to the city manager's office. And Chris is not only flattered at Ann's request, but he is ready to go right this second. Yes, he is in typical Traeger style. So, yeah, they're, Ann and Chris are watching an old, grainy uh public service announcement video made by a portly gentleman named Walt Morfling. You got to love the names. I love show, it. Right. Morfling. I know. Yeah. <laughs> and, and uh, Walt Morfling there is uh, I feel like Walt Morfling lately. I'll be honest. I, I yeah, I feel like one and a half of him. Um, <laughs> and, and he's making the PSA for adult onset diabetes. Apparently Walt Morfling uh, was the director of public health, but had to retire on 46 on account of diabetes, which, you know, I yeah. guess some pony makes sense. So Anne tells Chris, she wants to make a new PSA for diabetes using someone who's healthy, intelligent and bought a him, you know, the, the, the $6 million Traeger. Ian Perkins. And, I'm flattered. <laughs> yep. As he, well, he should be. So Chris excitedly agrees and, his o- then his OCD immediately begins to kick in as he tries to plan the absolute perfect PSA. Sure and does. I think we even see the first of what I think are a, a series through this entire episode of purposeful and mugs to the camera as she is like WTF is going on here. Yeah. 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 No, that's a great that's a great new trope. We'll have to track. Yelp. Well, Mark, you know. Do you know when a family gets a new dog or a cat and you almost immediately convince yourself that this dog or cat needs a friend? 
Yes. Well, I think that actually might be true for NBA players as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Because we see uh, Tom and Ben arrive at the Dreamatorium, the, the headquarters of Entertainment 720. And Ben isn't sure what he's seeing here. You know, you got full-time DJ, DJ Blunt playing music. You have, uh, they they bought another NBA player, uh, Roy Hibbert. They took Roy Hibbert home with them uh, to, to play with Detlef Schrempf. So now you have two NBA players. Exactly. Just playing one-on-one on an inside basketball court. You know, how they do. The normal. The normal, the huge. We have an open bar. We have weird chair and sofa furniture with roofs. Uh, models doing their nails and making upwards of 100K a year plus medical waiters walking around serving what looks like champagne. The list goes on and on and on. So long story short, I think Ben immediately already is a little concerned. Mark, I love this scene for multiple reasons, and it's just it's a bowl of crazy. Um, (laughs) One of the key ingredients in this recipe for crazy continues to be John Ralphio, though. Yeah. And um, I won't play the whole clip, but I did want to play just a little bit of the scene where Ben meets John Raphael for the first time. I'm not sure it's really the first time they've met. Is it possible they've never met with Harvest Fest and all that stuff? Or I don't, I don't think Sebastian's th- Memorial. You know what? I, I I understand why you're asking that. And I'm thinking I, I really don't think they have. Okay. I think I think I think uh, John Raphael has met just about everybody else. But Ben. But Ben. Well, then that totally explains the scene. Yeah. All right. Here it is. Who are you? This uh, is Ben. He's here to help us with the paperwork. Ben, is that your real name? Yes. Oh, you could do better than that. I'm going to help you out right now. Your name is Angelo. Angelo, thank you so much for coming out. Get a thicker tie. It looks weird on you. It makes your head look like a fish. <laughs> Secondly, I don't know where the paperwork is, but when you find it, can you take care of it for us? We don't have any pens because we're afraid it's going to leak in our shirts. Lastly, I hate the name Angelo. I'm going to switch it up for you right now. Your new nickname is... Jello Shot. <laughs> what do you think about that, Jay Shot? Do we have questions? Yeah. Where are we? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I love that scene. Oh, And he's right. Like, where are we, Mark? The Dreamatorium is pretty whack. Yeah. Yeah. I forget how I described it before. It's like a... a, a, a like a Dr. Seussian nightmare. Yeah, I, I think you did. That's yeah. perfect. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, especially of, of money hemorrhaging. Yes. It really is. Yeah. Well, Mark, in this next scene at Ron's office, the gang continues to prepare Ron for his audit. Um, very little can prepare us, though, for this background story about Ron and Tammy One. And just when you think it can't get any worse, don't say Tammy three times in a row. Yeah, I've 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 seen that uh, movie where you say things three times in a yeah. row and it never it no. never works out. It that doesn't way. turn out good. No, I learned no. that at uh, magical camp. Someone, no, a friend of mine did. I mean, I didn't go there. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's so everything. <laughs> Look, All just, right. Ben's got his thing. I got mine. Yeah, you do. Okay, so we're we're back in Ron's office and not talking about that anymore. Thank and you. then we're, so the gang is continuing to look for receipts among his odds and ends. And it, it, while they're doing this, they are talking to Ron a little bit about Tammy One, and we learn a little bit of a, a background of his life and a little bit more about him, a little bit more about Tammy One. So we learn the following tidbits: A. Ron grew up in a very small town, about six hundred people, where everybody knew everyone else. B. Tammy One was a candy striper at the local hospital and actually helped deliver him when he was born. Oh, yeah. <laughs> LOL. And <laughs> uh, Ron first took up with Tammy One when he was 15. Yikes. Creating quite the scandal, but 
people kept their mouth shut on account of they were afraid of her. <laughs> Makes sense. Uh, and then D, Tammy One wore many hats in their town, including but not limited to well, sure. babysitting Ron, yep. teaching Sunday school, of course, teaching middle school mathematics, yeah. teaching driver's ed, yeah. teaching him about sex. Uh, okay. <clears throat> and then possibly more. But we don't have a chance to hear more on account of because who should walk in but dun 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 Tammy won herself. They it's again it was they did it they said her name at least three times. I think I think you're exactly right. Yeah, I didn't count, but I wouldn't doubt that. Can we play the rest of this? Yeah. Patricia Clarkson does such a great job. Yeah, she's phenomenal, and uh, this is what happens when she shows up. Yup. Hello. <laughs> I don't believe we've met. I am Leslie Nope, deputy. I don't think it will be necessary for you to speak again while I'm here. (laughs) Why do I only date brunettes? You know, sometimes you eat chicken and you get food poisoning and then even the sight of chicken makes you sick. Tammy Wan is my blonde chicken. (laughs) Good God, Ronald. This is a much bigger mess than I imagined. You'll take a week off from work. We'll do a complete overhaul of your finances. I'll need access to all your accounts and your home. Is that necessary? Oh, are we playing a game where everyone says something stupid? (laughs) You. What is your name? Tim. Tim Buckanowski. Really? No. Andy Dwyer. Andy. You're going to collect all of this and you're going to put it in my car. Miss Nope. Yes. You're going to go to payroll and get copies of Ronald's workplace expense reports. Oh, I, I'm just wondering how long that's going to take. Because Ron and I have a very important meeting together. It's called the Battle Royale. It's super fun. We're all... You and Ron have a big meeting, huh? I'm sure Ron will remember the meeting fondly while he makes toilet wine in a federal prison in Terre Haute. I'll, I'll head down to payroll. <clears throat> now... You're not getting any younger. Yes, ma'am. She's the cold, distant mother I never had. I love her. It's my AKA. <laughs> Mark, uh, several things happen there visually, although it's a pretty good audio clip. Yeah. Um, one, April's reaction where she has this moment where she's like, oh, my God, I love this woman. You yeah. can see it before she ever says it in her yeah. talking head. You see it happen. And then just... The way she puts everyone in their place, <laughs> just I mean, April like kind of fears her, but also respects her. But everyone else in the room is terrified. Oh, yeah. April fears her, but she's also in awestruck admiration yeah, of this She wants woman. to know how to be her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's going to sharpen that pencil one day. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> you, know, you know what I thought was interesting, too? This is just such a nitpicky thing. And it, I think it's something that I didn't realize is would you consider Patricia Clarkson's hair blonde or red? Because I think in the last episode I had described when I was just trying to describe yeah. what Tammy Wynn looks like. And I said, you know, she's a, she's slightly older than Ron, still very attractive. She's yeah. a redhead. Is she blonde? She's she, I would call her strawberry blonde. She's in the red spectrum. But I think mm. if you just put her in a lineup next to a Nicole Kidman redhead, mm. you'd call her a blonde. I guess that's true. Yeah. All right. That is nitpicky, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Fair <laughs> because, enough. Because without it, Mark, we wouldn't have Tammy One blonde chicken. Yeah. And that just, we need that. And Tammy One redhead chicken just doesn't it flow doesn't. as well out of the mouth. Nope. So, you know, I'll, nope. I'll agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, Mark, in the next scene, some time has gone by. And uh, you know how, I know you're a fan of comic books, Mark, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. I, I thought so. Well, remember DC had the Bizarro Superman? Oh, yeah. Well, and that was the first thing I thought of here in this next scene. And, and, you know, if you're more of a Marvel fan, then I guess go with what if. But Operation Rescue Ron is about to be underway. You know, those are two very good uh, comic book adjacent descriptions for someone who claims to be not comic book uh, interested. A nerdy friend of mine told me about this. Oh, geez. All right. So, yeah, we see uh, at the beginning of this scene, we see the typical black screen with white text one week later. So some time has passed. And it's morning at City Hall, and we see the gang in the bullpen. And then we hear, we hear jaunty whistling. And, and then we see, of all people, Ron jauntily walk in, just almost his elbows are almost swinging, like he's in a yeah, good mood. He's got a kick he, in his step. He's wearing a bright blue like, striped shirt, like sky blue striped shirt. It's got his, horizontal stripes. His he mu- doesn't wear horizontal no, stripes. No, no, no. His mustache is shaved clean off needless to say the gang and particularly leslie is is stunned by this so ron's going into his office because you know those emails aren't going to send themselves no what the hell so leslie (laughs) follows him into his office and says hey what what going on and then we find out that tammy won a Thought his face looked better without any hair on it. Sure. So she had him shave his mustache. Well, it did collect a lot of crumbs. Mark. Yeah, it was very unsanitary. B, moved in with Ron. Uh. C, converted his bank account into a joint bank account with her. D, has him taking baby aspirin to lower his risk of heart oh, disease. Yeah. And Leslie's hearing all this. And finally, at the end of this scene, she just like she does a Leslie mug to the camera. We have so oh, much yeah. of that. In this and she's like she she looks to the camera like with wide eyes. She's just horrified. <laughs> Are you seeing this? Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Three key things happen in this scene for me, Mark. It starts right when he walks up and he says, good morning, everyone. And, and Leslie, you know, because she sees this jaunty stepping stripe, you know, horizontal stripe wearing bright colored man with no mustache and says, oh, good morning, sir. May I help you? Right. She's not looking up at him, but no. like, well, I, I sense someone coming in. I yeah. see blue out of my periphery. Is he He's in a good mood. You're not Ron. No. Hey, sir, how can I help you? Then holy hell. Ron, your mustache fell off. <laughs> uh, oh, Leslie, <clears throat> you goofball. You goof. <laughs> and then Ron goes to Jerry. He says, hump day. Am I right? buddy and jerry goes what and then everyone was doing it like he's he said you know yeah tammy had me shave off my mustache this is very unsanitary leslie goes what hey jerry hump day am i right buddy jerry goes what (laughs) like no one can believe this yeah, it's 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 a new Ron and a new day, apparently. Wasn't this one of your AKAs where on the, he's taking oh, the baby yeah. aspirin? The baby Science aspirin. is a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to decrease his risk of heart disease, Mark. Oh, my. He's never considered this before, apparently. Well, Mark, meanwhile, Chris is doing his very best to literally capture this PSA. And in 37 takes or so, uh, he might get it, but I think we'll do at least 35. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we, we see Chris doing the diabetes PSA in front of a camera over and over with a board and to the side looking on. And we quickly learn that he is doing these over and over and over and over, yeah. trying to slightly maybe change it each time to see if it's slightly better. 
resulting ultimately in Chris caring way more about this than I think Anne ever did. And Anne even tries half-heartedly to convince Chris they've got what they need, but Chris isn't having it. He needs to do about 30, 40 more. Well, this is where my other AKA came from. He said, it needs to be perfect. Oh, yeah, so yeah. let's do one more, mm-hmm. then five yep. more, then 20 in a row. <laughs> I love it. Well, Alan, you notice, again, this may be nitpicky, but you know, we've already seen the the black screen with white text one week later yeah. between when Anne first approached Chris about this and what's happening now. Yeah. So has this been going on for a week now? Oh, my God. I never even thought about that. Yeah. Poor Anne. Yeah. yeah. Puts that in perspective, huh? Let, let's hope that she convinced him to take a beat. She, you know, she needed to rent the camera. She needed to do all this stuff. So let's hope there was prep time involved, because if not, dear God. I know, right? Well, over at Entertainment 720, Ben is clearly as confused as we are about exactly what Entertainment 720 does to make money. And uh, he's about to get a dope-ass nickname. Oh, my gosh. We all need dope-ass nicknames. Um, I mean, you have one. I'm just not allowed to tell you what it is. Oh, great. So back at the Dreamatorium, uh, <laughs> Ben walks up to Tom and John Ralphio and point blank asks them, how are you making money? And they tell him, I think they think this is an answer. They tell him that they have their own printing press that prints bills with their faces and the Entertainment 720 logo. And then they, they use them to promote the company by going to clubs and giving them away. Problem solved. So horrified, Ben tells them that they have to stop printing money right now and he presses what he thinks is the off button on the wall for the printing press. Well, sure, it's one of those safety, you know, mechanisms. Yeah, right? you press here to stop Shut it down. to stop them from printing money. That's yeah. what the button says. Only to be surprised by crazy dance music and colorful lights, and the place goes into party mode, and everybody starts dancing. And so he's bewildered and a little disgusted at all this. And so Ben goes back to the wall and shuts party mode back off, <laughs> gets Tom's attention. Uh, who was dancing hard and then asks him for all their books. He's clearly fearful at this point that they are in bad shape. He he doesn't get what the deal is, baby. Yeah. He no, really doesn't. Digi. <laughs> and doesn't get it. Uh, I, I love it, too. They uh, they go through this little exchange about calling each other baby and Snapple every time they like something. And then finally, they just hit the button again and they start dancing. And everybody's going, Jello, Jello shot. shot. Jello shot. Uh, so much fun. Yep. Uh, it's too bad they're going to be bankrupt at the end of the sentence. And, and like, mm-hmm. how, okay, how many people are we in? So we've had Ann mugging to the camera. Yeah. Leslie mugging to the camera. Yeah. Ben is almost getting whiplash. He's mugging to the camera so much. I mean, this is a thing in this episode. I mean, they're, they can't break a fourth wall that's no longer there. No. Yeah. No, yeah. exactly. Well, back at the parks department, Ron is assisting a customer. That's right, Mark. I said Ron is assisting a customer. <laughs> I believe the Operation Save Ron is now at DEFCON 1. I'm so disgusted by this. I don't even want to talk. I just want to have Constantine play this clip. <laughs> I think we should do that. Yeah. Constantine, hit it. Thank you. We're here to serve you, friend. I hope the rest of your day is cool beans. Yep. <laughs> Ron, what is this memo you sent to me? You're not going to the Battle Royale? I have decided not to attend this year. Okay, first of all, it's disturbing that you wrote a memo at all, but you love arguing against government spending. Why do you not want to do it now? Leslie, please, the government knows what it's doing. I'm confident that I'll... (laughs) Ouchie. You and I are going to lunch. We have to talk. Let me just call Tammy first and get permission. Oh, come on. 
Tammy, I was wondering if I could go to lunch with Leslie. Terrific. Bye. She says I can't go. You're going to lunch with me. I say you can go. Oh, gosh. I'm really in a pickle now. Oh, my God. <laughs> when Ron falls for Tammy, too, he turns into a demonic sex maniac. But this? Neutered wimp? This is worse. Operation Golden Dove is in trouble. Uh, apparently we switched operation names to Operation Golden Dove. I didn't even realize. Well, I think she's she's been searching for the, the perfect oh, name right. ever since she came up with Operation Save Ron. Don't worry, we'll come up with something better later. So I think yeah. if, if you look at her all through this episode, she'll come up with a new name and then kind of yeah. look to the camera like, huh? Huh? So it's 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 <laughs> it's in morphing. <laughs> I tell you what, I think that the it came across quite uh, clearly in the audio, but. Leslie slapping him was so <laughs> funny. And, and if something was going hard too, hard, like yeah. wham. Yeah. Howchie. <laughs> <laughs> but if something was going to make her do that, wouldn't it be Ron saying, and I quote, the government knows what it's doing. Like, that was the okay. Line. Yeah. You're going to get your, whatever's yeah. left of your stash slapped off. Yeah. Yeah. A- anytime a Ron Swanson says that, you know, he needs deprogramming. That's a deprogramming slap. And I have something to say about that later, but it's oh. going to wait until we, we are giving our scores. Fair enough. It's all right. All right. Well, Mark, as Operation Blonde Chicken or whatever this one's <laughs> called continues to unfold, I, I think we're seeing that even Tammy One may have a slight weakness here and it could just possibly be a persistent and intrusive Leslie. Mm. Well, we will see what we will see here. The, the, the next scene has Leslie at a restaurant. Not sure where, unless you have a name you'd like to make up. Nope, not today. All right. <laughs> why try? Why try? Yep, I love it. 2022, love, why try? I love this new Alan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we see uh, Leslie at a restaurant that we don't care about uh, with Ron. And she's kind of struggling with how to say things, how to introduce what she wants to say to him. And Ron just tells her, just spit it out. It'll stay between the two of them, dot, dot, dot. And Tammy one, who we now see sitting between them as the camera pans over. So Leslie turns to Tammy one and point blank tells her you're evil and you need to go. And Ron and Tammy one both laugh this off one more sinister <laughs> than the other. And and then, you know, because Leslie's a panic and then Ron has to leave for the restroom. And with Ron gone, Leslie gets Tammy one to admit to her that the audit isn't even real. She wanted to learn about his finances to make sure her future was protected. And he's doing very well. He has lots of gold, making her a literal gold gold digger. digger. Huh. I love it. Yeah. Mark, I'm not sure. It seems like not only did Tammy one change Ron, but she threw him into a time machine. And when he came back, he says things now like, oh, Leslie, you're a panic. I know. where is this even coming from? Like, are you not like going to be a, like a, a, a late 19th century gold prospector? Like, are you going to talk like Yosemite <laughs> Sam? Like, what's next? I love it. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I like his, his talking head. It's the only part of this that I thought there might be a small <laughs> yeah. bit of truth in. Yeah. He says, the thing I love about Tammy is that she calls me on my crap. Every guy needs that. And I agree with that, by the way. Uh-huh. But then this thing happens uh-huh. where they both, well, first, she just looks at the camera like she's just going to challenge us, the audience. Like it's beyond mugging to the camera. She's looking through the fourth wall and she's penetrating our souls now. Well, and and the, the other thing I noticed is that Ron is grinning 
at, while he's saying this, because, you know, at, at fir- first, at first you would think, oh, well, this seems like a night. It may be misguided, but but nice sentiment on Ron's part. Like, OK. And he's kind of grinning and he's kind of like has his arm around Tammy. Yeah. One, I think. And so he gets done with his There's little a bit of American Gothic in their statuary. There. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> and and he finishes his little monologue there. So she calls me on oh, my crap. Every guy needs yeah. that. And then he grins. He looks down at Tammy one continuing to grin, who's just staring at the camera coldly, or maybe she's staring down at this point. I forget. No, she's staring right at me. And then, and then Ron's grin quickly fades as he like takes in her. Yeah. And then he like looks back at the camera. (laughs) All of a sudden he's not (laughs) grinning anymore. I'm telling you, he's been, he, he needs a deprogramming. I'm, I'm anxious to see what you've got to say about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, back at entertainment 720, Ben has some sage advice for the guys but, you know, they didn't listen to Detlef, so they're probably not going to listen to him either. <laughs> this is one of my favorite parts. So, yeah, they're they're back at the Dreamatorium. Ben is talking to Tom and John Raphael, and he is trying to freaking give it to him straight. A, they need to immediately downsize. In other words, like, like for, last week, for example, they don't need this freaking airplane hangar size location they're in. Um, B. They needed to keep detailed financial records, a sentiment oddly and satisfyingly backed up by both Roy Hibbert and Detlef Schrepp, <laughs> which I, I loved. It. Yeah. See, um, if they don't come up with an actual plan, they'll be dead in a month. Guaranteed. It's just the way it is. And unfortunately, it seems like neither Tom or John Ralphio are prepared to take Ben seriously. They just kind of laugh it off and say, yeah, take a free iPad on your way out. And he didn't even grab one. He didn't even grab one. What's he thinking? I don't know what's wrong with him. I don't know what's wrong with him. Yeah. Detlef has this line that is just a wad of words that makes me laugh every time he says it. And, you know, he, he, you know, Roy says, I've been trying to tell them that, you know, about Ben's advice. Yeah. Because Ben says you have to keep detailed financial records. Roy, thank Thank you. you. I've been trying to tell them that. And Detlef says, man, waste of time. They wouldn't know a non-employee tax reportable expenditure request if it bit them in the ass. They high five. That's so funny. That sounded like something from Office Space. It did. I liked it. It was pretty good. Yep. Well, Mark, back at the city manager's office, Chris seems to be making the most of his 15 minutes of fame. The downside is that Ann will have filmed him for about 30 hours when they finally get to the point where Chris is actually happy with it. Oh, my gosh. If if not more. So Chris is, if you wouldn't believe this, continuing to do takes on camera. Diabetes. Diabetes. And he, he thinks the camera is still rolling. And Ann says, yeah, the camera's rolling. And then she looks at us and shakes her head. Shakes no, her the head camera's head. not rolling anymore. Yeah. It's no. just, he's just doing this for himself. And she's just going to let Chris do his thing. Oh, maybe he's going to tire out like an infant. Like when yeah, he, that's he has exa- she, It's like a toddler. Yeah. She's just waiting for him to wear down. So Ann asks for a break because, gah. And then during the break, she tells us via talking head, I cannot believe I dated him for a long time. And he broke up with me, you know, which at this point we're like, um, yeah, what's wrong with you? This is where my talking head, you know, Chris is in the background. Almost, I think, talking to himself technically. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's practicing, I guess, for his he's brainstorming. Take. He's brainstorming. That's yeah, yeah. a great way to think of it. And fat equals splat as in you're dead. And then he goes, is there something there? No, 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 no. From the top, everybody. <laughs> Crazy man. Yeah. He's like he's talking to a whole film crew. It's just the two of them. Yeah. There's no one else here. <laughs> well, Mark, you know you're desperate when you use fire to fight fire or acid to fight acid in this case, perhaps. Mm. Yikes. Yeah. Leslie 
April and Andy are looking for allies in this war against Tammy One. And who should they turn to but... Eh, screw it. Let's have Constantine play this clip. I like it. Yeah. Basically, we're being attacked by Godzilla. And to beat Godzilla, we need Mothra. No offense. None taken. <laughs> Very flattered. Who's this? Who's this tall drink of water? Andy. Hey, Andy. How's it hanging? Listen, <laughs> we need to break Ron from her spell. Can't you just move your butt around or wear a dress made out of meat? <laughs> Well, I could do all of those things and have, but that bitch is crazy. When Ron left her and we got together, she threw acid on my foot. Ew. Could we take a peek at it? Listen, Tammy One was my Sunday school teacher, too. She can pinpoint your weaknesses and then destroy you with just one word. And a jar of acid. Oh my God! And a jar of acid, Mark. That <laughs> that this this scene is just so so good. And I, and I wanted to make one note here, Alan. You you probably remember something I I said way back in season one. A, a little something I referred to as the Darth Vader syndrome. Oh yeah yeah. And uh, which I took from a book series that you and I love, the yeah. Dresden Files Dresden by Jim Files. Butcher. Uh, so for those new viewers or for those that may have forgotten, um, the Darth Vader syndrome is defined as. The satisfaction of seeing someone who's been scaring the pants off of you go after another mutual enemy. Now, I, granted, in this case, Tammy 2 decided not to help them in their fight against Tammy 1. But the concept here is the same. Yeah. Like what what better plan for a secret weapon than the one woman who has scared the pants off of them in the past? And in Ron's case, quite literally. The enemy of my enemy is my friend, Mark. Right. Yeah, right. Absolutely. So at the end of this, you know. Andy kind of pipes up like, you know how sometimes in the comic books, which I admit I'm a fan of, you'll see the little thought bubble and then bing, like a little light bulb. So Andy kind of has one of those things. And and then Leslie and April are kind of like, come on. (laughs) And it's like, I have ideas too. He has ideas too. And (laughs) his idea actually uh, brings us to our next scene. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Mark, at our next scene, one of the things I love most about America, of course, is the 28th Amendment. I don't, are you familiar with that one? Th- that's the one where it says you don't have to answer stupid questions while standing on your own property. I've heard of that. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. So we see this is a very, very short scene, but we see the Leslie Mobile approaching what looks like a small house in the woods. Not to be confused with the cabin in the woods. Correct. Great movie. Um, and we soon hear voices suggesting that Andy's idea was to go get Ron's mother, Tamara, who who goes by Tammy. I call uh, her Tammy Prime or Tammy Zero. Tammy Zero. Um, that's no, that's Tammy No Sugar. Oh wait, Matt, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Tammy Nutri Sweet. So I'm going to refer to her as Tammy Zero. Fair enough. Just because it's zero based array. I mean, nerd. Oh, my God. I know. I know. So people are clicking us off right now. No, no. They know what they. Yeah, they probably are. So after talking for a bit, Tammy's Tammy Zero agrees to go back with them basically to City Hall saying, you know, like you were right to come get me. My son, Ronnie, always had a weakness for those ladies. So she immediately knew what they were talking about, I think. Well, Mark, Andy sees this giant room full of guns and says, oh, my God, there's a room full of just guns. Why do you have so many guns? Leslie says. Yeah. Ron's mom says, this is America, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Then I don't have to answer stupid questions while standing on my own property. It's like, yep, that's his, that's Ron's mom. And April ends it by saying, okay, well, that's definitely Ron's mom. Yep. Yep. It absolutely is. Well, the Battle Royale 2.0 is now officially on, and it's basically a good old-fashioned duel, if you will, but this time with corn mash and shot glasses. Holy hell. So, yeah, here here we go. 
we cut to City Hall and we see Ron and Tammy one entering the bullpen. Ron's mother, who I'm still going to call Tammy Zero, is sitting at the central circular table in the bullpen. The Tammies slowly greet each other. They eye each other up and down. And finally, Tammy Zero places a large glass jug full of clear liquid on the table, which is revealed to be Swanson family mash liquor. She then tells Tammy One, it's time to settle things with an old fashioned prairie drink off. And Tammy Zero sets the terms here. She says, if you win, he's all yours. And if I win, I bring him back to the farm for good. Leslie's alarmed at hearing this because none of these options result in Ron staying there. And they, no. we love Ron and we want Ron to stay there. So Leslie sits down and says, I'm in. I'm entering the drink off. And if I win, Ron stays here with us. So if you thought the burger battle between Chris and Ron was intense, the <laughs> real battle royal is here and now. The battle lines are drawn for Ron's soul. Dun, 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 dun. Leslie has actually named the operation now Soaring Falcon. <laughs> That's right. I missed that. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. Well, and, and too, when they when they walk in and they're eyeing each other, all the, it was like a Sergio Leone Western at first, you know? Yeah, yeah. And uh, all that was missing was a tumbleweed blowing through the office. Yeah. I, I would have paid money for it. The, the one thing I think maybe that I, I left out was, okay, Leslie's in. Oh, yeah. Oops. The, the three women take their first drink of the dreaded Swanson family oh, mash yeah. liquor and Leslie immediately like, OK, I made a mistake. I made a mistake. Well, <laughs> this is poison. She goes, poison. What is what does Ron say that it that? It, oh, it, it's only legal uses to take varnish off of speedboats. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous, but it's so specific. It's funny. And then, and then he says, "When Leslie—that's right—he does that." And then when yeah. Leslie says, "Well, no, I'm in," Leslie, no, don't drink that. We use it to burn warts yeah, off of it. the mu- off of the mules, which is apparently an illegal use. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. <clears throat> uh, Leslie made a mistake for sure. We'll see what happens. Yup. Well, the good news is, Mark, that the shoot is finally over. The bad news is that Chris has a stain on his shirt and they have to redo everything. Holy hell. Yeah, he's still doing takes on camera. Even now, he keeps going. As far as he knows, the camera's on. And isn't even pretending to be interested or to watch or to even be in the same room. No. She's actually... Literally, Ann Perkins <laughs> is talking to the delivery guy in the adjoining outside room with the door closed, um, asking the delivery guy, how in the hell was I ever with him? To which he says, you know, sometimes you can just date a guy because of where you are in your life emotionally. Good I, good deal, John, the delivery guy. I mean, it's insightful. Yeah, it's it's pretty insightful for a delivery guy. Yeah. The ups driver. Yeah, thank you. And then he, Chris comes in, I got a stain on my shirt and, you know, a little bit of her soul melts away as, you know, they have to redo all the yeah. takes they've done for the past week. Well, then Chris notices the guy and he goes, hey, delivery guy. <laughs> <laughs> Diabetes. Well, back at the drink off, no one yet seems to be ready to give in, except maybe for Leslie, who is about halfway to pickled at this point. <laughs> the three women take and I don't even know what drink they're on at this point, but the three women take another drink of Swanson family mash liquor and, and Tammy zero and Tammy one seem to be doing okay. 
I mean, I don't notice anything they off steal about some, them yet. They have the look of steely determination about them. Yes. No, they haven't lost their musculature in their face like Leslie has to oh, this yeah. point. Yeah, 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 yeah. Leslie is struggling to put a coherent sentence together. You know, like I, I think no better proof of oh, that yeah. than t- uh, Tammy Zero says, had enough. And Tammy won. Now she's fronting. That's what the kids say. Yeah. She, she says of this watered down baby formula, not even close. Leslie trying to give, you know, trying to front <laughs> Leslie. Nothing close. Not, not even close. <laughs> Glenn close. Like she, she is totally out of it. Yeah, she's word associating at this point. <laughs> finally, Ron's, you see Ron start to become a little bit concerned. Yeah. Which is a good sign. And he's like, Leslie, you don't have to do this. Go to bed, Jimmy. She is she is blotto. <laughs> well, Mark, seven hours in, Chris finally thinks that they have a take that they can use. Oh, my gosh. Mark, I think we should just play this clip because I think it speaks a lot to the ongoing Chris and Ann relationship. Yeah, I agree. And together, we can make a difference. That's it. I think we got it. Do you think we got it? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> we have it. We had it seven hours ago. Oh, Ann, I, I know that I can be intense, but I'm only trying to be the best me that I can be. I want to thank you for this opportunity and your patience and your intelligence and your insight. You really are an amazing human being. Thank you. Oh, right. That's why I dated him. <laughs> yeah. In case she had forgotten. Yeah. There it is. He pours on. I think he comes out of his crazy coma or his crazy you know, focus of, of uh, intense, intense focus. And uh, he's human for a minute. Yeah. He, he's not waist deep in OCD water. Yeah. He's actually Oof. able to be normal ish. Yeah. I do, though, Mark, my, you know, what do you, you said you had these old nitpicks earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My nitpick with Chris in both episode one and episode two so far is he needs a brush. Somebody needs to brush his hair. It's really bothering me. Yeah. I mean, is he trying? See, and part of me, I was joking about this with my wife when we were rewatching these episodes. And I thought, you know what, though? I wonder if it's motivated by this incident that happened to him with Dr. Harris, where, you know, he he's worried about tendinitis and aging and all this. So this is a little bit of Chris trying to look like the young kid still. Oh, wow. I hadn't even thought about yeah. that. I just thought that is a fail. But <laughs> it's not working. No, it's 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 not working. Yeah. Um, I, I never I never if thought I had about that, that much hair, I wouldn't <laughs> I couldn't do that. I never thought about that. You, yeah. you may have a point. Uh, somewhere in yeah. my hat, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mark, back at Ben's office, adulting is hard work. And I think the last couple of years have been a reminder to all of us about that. And, um, you know, I think it's starting to sink in for Tom now as well. Yeah, this is a really short scene. Tom enters Ben's office and apologizes, uh, admitting that they brought in five other accountants to look at the business. And they all said the exact same thing Ben did. Specifically, if they don't start making changes, they're going to lose the company. Yeah. The, the one thing I liked about this was, you know, uh, Ben had forgotten his iPad before and Tom gives him an iPad and he's like, look, you you got to quit giving these away like candy. And Tom says, I bought that one for you personally as a thank you. It's an iPad. Oh, geez. Which, you know, obviously it is. And that's kind of a little bit silly. But, you know, I think Tom's having a little bit of an aha moment here or starting to kind of like Ron just had his. I, I hope so. I have more to say about this later. All right, fair enough. Well, Mark Pickled Leslie is singing tunes from Weird Al's Christmas rendition of a CNC Music Factory classic. And it seems clear that now one of the Tammies is going to win this contest. I agree. At this point, 
she is freaking blotto. Um, she's nearly passed out on the table. She's spouting, you know, gibberish from ZNZ Music Factory. You know what? <laughs> let's let's have Constantine play this one last clip. Let's do that. Everybody pants now. Pants, 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 pants. She's had enough. Pants, Call pants, it off. That's not how it works. Pants. She's out. Wait, I'm subbing in. April, no. Oh, dear. That stuff will melt the shell off a garden snail. Whatever. I'm Puerto Rican. I can handle it. <laughs> okay, this ends now. Yeah. Uh. Uh, let's take the whole thing. Yeah. Mom, you're going back to the farm. And you, hmm. you're going back to hell. Fine. <laughs> I got what I came for anyway. I found your underground safe. I stole half your gold. That's decoy gold. <laughs> Do you think I'd leave my gold in a locked safe buried underground where anyone could find it? You don't know me at all. Yes, I do. I knew you. The minute you were born, I intend to be there the minute you die. Yikes. Ron, <laughs> your family's weird. <laughs> She's not wrong. Oh my gosh, what a good scene. So the first thing I got to say just before I forget about it is that that final little confrontation scene where Ron is talking to Tammy One. Yeah. And over Ron's shoulders, you see uh, Jerry and Donna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as Tammy is like saying, like, I was there when you were born and I'm going to be there when you die. If you take a look at them, they're like, oh, geez, <laughs> like they are creeped out. It's awesome. And I, I think maybe you could tell it a little bit from the audio clip, but in case you couldn't, you know. Leslie is blotto and in bad shape. And I yeah, think she's this, done. I think that this is making Ron angry because now they're starting to harm his friends. Well, April jumps in. Right. And then April jumps in that's and then and shot. then she goes down swinging as well. And yep. that's when the gloves come off. And yep. Ron picks up the entire freaking jug of Swanson family mash liquor, downs the whole thing. That's right, baby. Ron is back and all is right with the world. You know, it's not dissimilar from when he was in the grips of Tammy, too, and broke out of it. Yep. In his kimono. I, I, I completely agree. I actually had a note note with that. You know, like it, Ron may not be able to break out of his deprogramming for his own sake. But when his mm. friends are threatened, he's like, all right, you've awakened the angry bear. I love it. Yeah. Well, Mark, at this point, all that's left is the kicker. And we get a close up look at all the shenanigans at E720. And all I can say is that uh, I hope that John Raffio got a heck of a settlement from that Lexus owner. <laughs> Yeah, th this this is a very short kicker, but it's it's essentially Ben at the Dreamatorium telling us through a series of I think they're just like a series of jump cuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the things that are expensive or weird or wrong or confusing about Entertainment Seven Twenty, <laughs> including this twenty seven thousand dollar chair. Yeah, like and he's just like pointing around. Literally, there's someone reading a magazine and someone applying nail polish. What what is she doing? She's just playing with an iPad. The, Tom told me this chair was twenty seven thousand dollars. Well, that chair over there that has a roof. There's this video of a boat. There's someone over there in a deep sleep. You know, look at that thing. So it's just on and on. So Ben doesn't get it, but Ben shouldn't get it. This no. is bizarre. I love the, it's interesting to me and it, they probably didn't intend it as much as it was meant to like the scene kind of continues without any commentary uh, as they fade to black. But did you notice the last thing he does is he looks in a totally new direction and apparently there's even more ghastly stuff in that direction. Oh yeah. I'd love to know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, the thing about Entertainment 720 is there's 360 degrees of awfulness, but you have to spin around <laughs> twice, twice to, to like, see absorb it all. it all. That's right. Very nice. Very nice. Fade to black. Fade to black. Well, on that note, Mark, I think we should take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll uh, go through our normal shenanigans here. Then score it and go home. All right. Let's do it, man. All right. We'll be right back, everybody. Hello. This is Ron Swanson. As you may or may not be aware, I have suffered a recent infestation of something so hideous that it chills me to speak its name. To ensure others are not forced to endure the same fate, I recently took an old family remedy for this evil, bottled it, and had it manufactured in a consumer-friendly spray bottle. Tamaway is a corn mash-based pest spray, guaranteed to keep away flies, millipedes, mosquitoes, ants, stink bugs, and cockroaches. And many types of family members as well, but especially those named Tammy, including the spelling with a Y, and I, and even the pesky IE. This spray has also proven effective in keeping away Tamaras, Tamalins, Tamaras, Tamoras, Tomasinas, and even your occasional Tommy all related names stemming from the Aramaic meaning twin. While the name Tammy reached the height of its popularity in the 1960s, it is still a somewhat common nomenclature for naming both evil persons and unwanted objects. So, be safe, be smart, but mostly be prepared. You can find Tamaway at Food and Stuff, most bait shops, and of course online at www.getthat.com awayfrommeat.com. When picking up your first bottle of Tamaway from your local food and stuff, be sure to tell them Ron sent you. Or, if ordering online, be sure to input coupon code Either way, you will be provided with a second bottle for 50% off. Thank you. That is all. All right, everybody, we're back. Well, Mark, as we usually do, we'll go real quickly through some of our deleted scenes, our tropes, our fun facts, and uh, then we'll get into our scores. Sound like a plan? All right. That sounds like a plan. All right. Well, on the deleted scene in front, we actually had quite a few this week. If I'm not mistaken, uh, there are 14 deleted scenes adding up to about eight minutes and two seconds. Were there that many? There were a lot. Yeah. When I logged them, I'm like, holy cow. Wow. Most of the deleted scenes are about what you would expect, you know, just things that were funny, but not funny enough to make the cut. There were two really interesting ones, though. Um, one was basically where Tammy One is out in the hallway yelling at Ron. Did you watch the deleted scenes? Oh, yeah, scenes? yeah. Yes, I did. I thought that was like, she's scary. Yeah. And she's even scarier when she's admonishing him, but it makes this weird turn that I'm glad they took it out. Like it wasn't right. Like the yeah. way she played it and the way they put it in the episode. It was a little uh, she overboard. She being Patricia Clarkson, who was amazing. Yeah. Uh, it was just, it was so much better that way. Yeah, I agree. Her just being straight up mean. Yeah. Just being men menacing is much better. That's a that's the perfect word. It, menacing means it involves a little bit of your imagination. Yeah. Mean is just a little bit overt. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And then um, I, the other one I thought was worth mentioning was uh, Paula Pell playing Tammy's mom. Oh, playing yeah. Playing Ron's mom, Tammy Prime. I'm sorry. Tammy Zero. Yeah. Without calories. Um, <laughs> there's an alt take where she delivers the blonde chicken speech. Instead oh, so of when they're Ron. driving back, isn't it? Yeah. 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 So I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, so, that was. Yeah. Uh, Mark, how about uh, first tropes, fun facts, and goofs? What did you clock this week? I had I had a couple of firsts, and I'm probably missing one, but 
Well, actually, I just thought of a third, so I'm going to improvise. Okay, <laughs> so, fake it. Fake it till you make it, Mark. So the first that I legitimately came up with is, you know, we finally get to meet Ron's mother. Yeah. And we finally learn why Tammy 2 is so scared of Tammy 1. Yeah. And the one I'm going to improvise is, I guess it's the first time that Ben's ever been to Entertainment 720. Oh, okay. That's a good one. That's all I had. How about yeah. you? Uh, I had Wimpy Ron as a first. Oh, all right. Right. Yeah. We've had other alterations of Ron. Yeah. Like Sex Craze Tammy 2 Ron and yeah. other other variants. This is the first time we've seen clean shaven, uh, horizontal stripe wearing wimpy Ron. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Um, that's all I had on first other than the ones you had as well. Uh, how about tropes? Tropes, I had a few, um, starting with a, a triad of mugging to the camera. Leslie mugs mm. to the camera and mugs to the camera. Yeah. Ben mugs to the camera, which I just thought was so interesting because each of those three is in each of their respective storylines. And clearly that person is witnessing something so, oh, that, that they have to look at the camera like, I, 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 what's going on here? I love it. Um, beyond those, I, I clocked. Biggy, Ben doesn't get yeah, it we'll get as, as well. He should not have. Yeah. And I also said, I know this is kind of a tired one, but Tom the mogul, because he's still in entertainment yeah. 720 mode. Yeah. How about you? Uh, that was it for me as well. Yeah. Not a lot of tropes this week. Um, how about goofs or fun facts, Mark? I had no goofs. I had a couple of fun facts. I got a couple of fun facts too. What you got? Well, um, so I noticed that at the end of the last episode, I'm Leslie Nope, mm. uh, we, the, where we first really saw Tammy one. Right. Yeah. And, and there's a very, very, very short sequence where Tammy is coming out of Ron's office and she tells April, sit up straight. You're not doing your breasts any favors. Right. Remember that? Right. So if you own the DVDs or have access to the Peacock streaming service, go to six minutes and 40 seconds ish when Tammy one enters Ron's office with Was Les Greg Pekaitis hiding in the corner with, with no, oh, no, okay. but this is pretty funny. So Leslie, April and Andy are present there. Right. Yeah. And you see April make a concerted effort to immediately sit up straight and put yeah. her shoulders back. Yeah. Like very, very obvious. Once you see it, like you won't unsee it. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's good. I love, I love the little silent throwback. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's exactly it. Yeah. Um, and then the only other thing I, I had as a fun fact is, uh, you know, we we've seen Ron with his mustache nearly blown off season three finale. Yeah. We've seen Ron with his mustache rubbed off. Wait for it Ugh. from friction uh, in Ron and Tammy, too. Yeah. But this is the only episode in the entire series where Ron has his mustache cleanly shaved off. It also seems that the running theme here is that the only forces powerful enough to alter Ron's mm. manly Samson-esque mustache are either A, one of the Tammies or B, fire. <laughs> So there you go. <laughs> and at least one of the Tammies came from fire. So makes sense. Oh, I was born hell spawn. <laughs> what you got? Uh, the only fun facts I, that I had, Mark, I thought I did a little deep dive, you know, because I know Paula Pell and I uh, and Patricia Clarkson and they're, they're great actresses. Yeah. And then Nick Offerman, obviously. And I'm like. It's interesting that Paula Pell is playing Ron's mom. Mm -hmm. I know she's not much older than him. And then I knew that Patricia Clarkson might actually be older than Paula Pell. Mm -hmm. So I looked it up. So uh, Paula's seven years older than Nick Offerman. And uh, Patricia Clarkson is 11 years older than Nick. So she's technically four years older than the woman who's supposed to be Tammy Wan. Well, and, and Patricia Clarkson is one year younger than Megan Mullally. Oh, very nice. Interesting. Huh? One step further. I, I like know. it. Yeah. 
Well, and Paula and Nick are also both from Joliet, Illinois, which is interesting. Wow. Yeah. So just some interesting little factoids this week. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Mark. Well, should we get into our scores? Let's get into the scores. Well, Alan, uh, as we've said for the past few episodes, we're both now submitting choices for MVP, even though you say I'm a relentless, you know, Ron Swanson fanboy, which is yeah. totally unwarranted. My MVP for this episode is Nick Offerman is Ron Swanson. Um, I'm not going to give any reasons. It just is. No, this was this is such a strong uh, Ron episode. It's uh, hard know, to argue it, with, it, but it, I'm going to. It's hard. Go ahead. I know you are. Uh, you, uh, why try, Alan? Except when you want to gainsay me. Um, so I, I thought that there were. <laughs> You're on to me. I, I know. Uh, great performances by what I have. It's seeming like there's been three powerhouses, particularly in the last few episodes, even including the end of season three. Yeah, you know, we've had a. Uh, Amy Poehler, uh, Adam Scott, and Nick Offerman just yeah. always do such a fantastic job. I mean, for Leslie, oh my God. Anytime Leslie is in an altered state of mind, drunk, sick, mm-hmm. sleep, defra- sleep deprived, it's comedy gold. Yeah. Um, Adam Scott, are you kidding me? One of the world's best straight men. I mean, you know, a modern day Bob Newhart, I think we've said. Really is. Yeah. Um, and Nick Offerman, enough said. His antics in this alone were just legendary as far as I'm concerned. Um, use of comedic bench. It was okay, but it honestly, I didn't think it was great. Like no. I, it felt no, like sir. Donna and Jerry felt underused, and, and we Donna s- had no lines. Jerry had one, and, and see, even more. Um, I didn't realize that, but now that you mentioned that, you're yeah, I'm sure you're right. And we saw Tom, April, and Andy more than I probably realized, but it didn't seem like it to me. It just it it felt a little more uneven mm. than I'm used to. Fair enough. Um, so I'm not going to give it any bonus points when I do my rubric. Um, you know, so a few notes. Watching sitcoms, it's usually the surprises and the moments that I don't expect that keep me the most engaged. Like that's the stuff that tends to stay in my memory when something comes out of left field. And I'm like, oh, holy hell, what's going on here? Now, the flip of that is you can have a show where you establish an end goal and you throw up hurdles for the characters, blah, blah, blah. And you can still have that be enjoyable if it's well written. But if I expect it, if I see it coming, it sometimes lacks the punch. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's fair. And I thought that this episode portrayed both the best and the worst of what I just described. Like I, I thought the the Swanson-esque A story and the the lore building, the, the legend building behind the Swanson legacy, I loved it. I thought all that was absolute gold. And I thought it was a great callback uh, episode to all the Tammy shenanigans, making Ron a neutered wimp. Unexpected and hilarious. Bringing Tammy Zero in, unexpected and amazing. Yep. Having an old-fashioned freaking prairie drink-off, unexpected and fantastic. Yep. Ron chugging the entire jug of mash alcohol to end things, freaking priceless. <laughs> However, yep. the whole Chris Ann story, to me, I don't know, maybe I'm just grumpy, Mark, here. It seemed very one-note and boring when compared to how they've written in the past. Yeah. Rashida Jones and Rob Lowe, God, God knows they can be extremely funny. but They made just, the most of it. I just wasn't feeling it here. Like yeah. I, It's like I got what they were going for in the first 30-second scene, and I went, all right. And then it just it didn't really get much better from there. It was like a Saturday Night Live skit. In, mm, in a sense, good call. Y- you know, it, it only had a lifespan that really yeah. can be expected to flourish in the next two minutes. And then yeah. past that, you're kind of like, you yeah. know, um, they brought it back after the second musical guest. <laughs> Why? Yeah. The Entertainment 720 storyline. 
I felt like it was better for for sure. I still didn't think it was up to the to the to the point of the A story. I think that's a great. I point. thought it was better than the Chris and Ann storyline. Agreed. It, it was it was over the top, and there were some parts that I thought were interesting and funny, blah blah blah. But overall, it too was a little bit one note. I thought, like I, I've I've remarked in the past about how there's only so much pimp and Tom that I can take before it starts to get old, and I think that's part of what's happening here. God knows I love Ben Schwartz though. You made a great uh. observation though, like he can be so freaking funny, and with all respect to Ben Schwartz. He isn't sufficient to make a storyline, right? That's true. He can color it and make it hilarious and even better. In unexpected colors. In unexpected colors. That's right. (laughs) Um, And you know what? I also find it disappointing to me that Tom seems to be reverting to an idiot. Like you may Mm. remember, I've said since the second episode of season one canvassing, I like it when they can show that Tom, despite his goofy ways, he does actually have talent. He he can excel at things when he's engaged and passionate about it. And here it's the same thing. It's like during the season three finale. It's like he's never heard of revenue. It seems like Tom actually had some ability and passion and talent in the season three finale. And I was kind of like, OK, yeah. maybe something can happen here. And yet he appears to be here nearly as much of an idiot as John Ralphio. And. I'll give it credit for some interesting symmetry from like Ben's perspective. I like that he was playing the adult to the kids, Tom and John Ralphio, just yeah, like he was yeah, playing yeah. the adult to kids, April and Andy. That's cool. That and and, and yeah. I like that. But I just felt like I'm just disappointed in where they're going with Tom. Like he shouldn't be that much of an idiot. So that, that anyway, that's my rant. Um, oh, speaking of symmetry, I also appreciated that. We covered this. Uh, the only thing that breaks Ron from his spell or when one of his friends is threatened yeah i mean maybe not it but that seems like th- that's yeah. been the key that's when- in ron's dna we, we we know that now that's right yeah that's right so it, it it worked for me all right so on to the crazy mark rubric i'm gonna give this a 3.5 base score um and almost all of this was for the rontastic a story yeah. i thought it was gold i thought the entertainment 720 storyline was a little problematic and i just didn't get the chris Ann one at all it's been a while since you've had a base score that low yeah i yeah. agree i agree i'm gonna i want to give a whole bonus point to a great performance by episode mvp nick offerman this was such a good run episode um I'm going to give a half a point for a good performance by Amy Poehler playing off of Ron, making it all a lot more meaningful and believable. Mm-hmm. I thought that was good. Um, I want to give half a point for our great guest stars, Patricia Clarkson as Tammy one, mm-hmm. Paula Pell as Tammy zero, mm-hmm. uh, Megan Mullally as Tammy two, Ben Schwartz as John Ralphio and good Lord, not to mention freaking Roy Hibbert and Detlef Schrempf, <laughs> who have a lot of financial advice to give. You'll just listen to them. Those pacers are smart. Um, I want to be fair to the B story. So I want to give just overall one bonus point to the whole entertainment 720 storyline. It was kind of funny and it deserves some props, even if I had some issues with it. So I'm just going to give a bonus point for that and just let it let it lie. Um, I want to give one more half point for great Swanson lore building. That's what I think of it as with Tammy one and Tammy zero. And I want to give one whole bonus point to a fantastic conclusion to the storyline by having an old fashioned prairie drink off the, <laughs> truly a Swanson ending to a Swanson storyline. So you add up the crazy numbers and I'm at 8.0 little Sebastian's. OK, this this was a really challenging episode for me to score, Alan. There, there were some parts of it that were so strong and then there were other parts that just 
didn't hold up quite as well, I thought, as the show progressed. We had some fascinating exploration and expansion of the Pawnee mythos and the legend of Ron Swanson and the other storylines. Meh, they're functional, but not not real engaging. I, I think if this episode had maintained the level of excellence of the A story throughout the whole thing, I'd have given it a 9, 9.0 or higher. That's all I got. How about you? You just said everything I was going to say. Oh, no. <laughs> so some of the things you didn't say. Yes. Or maybe I'll just say them differently. How's that? Oh. Um, I felt, or, or maybe stronger, not differently. Um, I, I was literally sitting here thinking, one of the things I was going to say was if the A storyline, as strong as it is, if the B and the C storyline had been as strong, this would have probably been a nine and a half or a 10. Just no doubt in my mind. Like Because the A storyline was good. It was so good. I will tell you that my MVP is actually a guest star. It's Patricia Clarkson. Wow. Nicely done. Because good choice. I feel like Ron was amazing. I mean, he was. And, yeah. and probably Leslie and Ben were tied in second place yeah. right, for co-MVPs. So, uh, But I, I'm giving it to the guest star because we've talked about great guest stars and there's this balancing act, if you remember, kind of going back like to Sister City, for example, uh, Fred Armisen. Oh, yeah. Hysterical guy. Yeah. Funny. Yep. I want him on any, any show I could. But they gave him too much screen time. They put too much of his storyline out. And it just it, it didn't balance well. It created a balance problem for that show. And we right. both ranked it accordingly. I, I felt like they did a good job here of balancing, giving her the right amount of screen time without really messing anything up. Um, and. It was just enough and just tasty enough. And like that deleted scene, for example, I'm glad they took it out because it it kind of broke what really worked for her, which was that menacing, yeah. Yeah. you know, the menacingness, if that's a thing. And, uh, you know, so if I were giving points, I'd give her like three points because that was so good. <laughs> and the the mythos, the, the you know, the way they tied it into the Ron background and, uh, you know, the, the folklore of the Swanson name. And, you know, uh, you can see that they've been doing these prairie drink offs now for 150 years in his family. Right. right I didn't right. say any of that. But Consarnate. we know it. <laughs> right, yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, again, if the tumbleweed had been here, I'd give it another half point. <laughs> um, the Entertainment 720 storyline, while I agree it was good, um, it could have been a lot, lot better. Good-ish. Like, yeah, it yeah. was good-ish. And I thought the things that were good about it, unfortunately, were window dressing. Like That's exactly the right. Design, That's exactly right. Uh, the the crazy shenanigans of the people in the background, the background players, and uh, you know another NBA player. They got two now, Mark, uh, and they only had to pay seventy five percent because the the Pacers are on strike at this point. You know, which when Hibbert was still playing for them. I love the way that you're describing it though, because you're spot on. It's like it's it's window dressing. It is funny. But, yeah. it's, but it's Saturday Night Live skit funny. There's nothing there. Exactly. There's nothing there. And there's even less in the Anne and Chris storyline. Um, I'm really glad that you had us, you know, that we played that clip. Yeah. Because I feel like that showed maybe, maybe the one redeeming yeah. plot yeah. relationship moment that was there because everything else is just. Yeah. It's funny at first, but like you said, it's done. It's done early in the show and then they kind of repeat it two or three more times. It's like, OK, yeah. this, this isn't any funnier. Um, you know, Chris is crazy. Uh, he's a type A. He's got to get it perfect. We get it. Yep. And it's funny. Um, 
once, <laughs> maybe once and a half times. <laughs> um, but you're right. I mean, they kind of pulled it out of the nosedive there at the end and had a nice moment between Chris and Anne, which is going to be important for the arc, the long term arc there. And it's one of the reasons we featured that clip today. Right. Um, there, there wasn't anything outside of it that really added any value to the show or to the series or the season arc or the series arc outside of that though. Right. And then on the E720, I will argue for the season arc, it was important to establish they don't know how to do business. Now, I think they could have had them do a little more business, but still not get it right and still made it funny without them being just totally ridiculous morons who have never heard of revenue. Because we, we we expect that of John Ralphie. Absolutely. And, and in a sense, that would actually be OK. But it could be really kind of funny to, and, and, and a little sad, but funny to see him kind of pulling Tom down. Right. Tom's got this great idea. He wants to mogul this. He wants to make it happen. But, you know, he's got to pull John Raffi out of his, his clown loop, right? To, right. to get successful. Right. They're both in the clown loop here, though. And it doesn't feel right because, like you said, we've had this episodic progress of Tom's growth. And we just we took five steps backwards in this episode. Right. What, what I've learned, Alan, is with buddy cop movies, um, <laughs> it, you, you can't. The classic teaming is good cop, bad cop. Yeah. You can't have good cop, good cop or bad cop, bad cop. And you can't have clown, clown like you, John Ralphio already fills that role. Tom can't do it as yeah. well. I mean, there's a couple of funny interchanges where they're trying to outdo each other. But, you know, you could let Tom have that moment, but still overall be a little more in the know. And I think it would have bugged us a little less. You know what I think Tom would be really good at is if if he met a billionaire and the billionaire was like, I'm so bored with my money. What can I do? Oh, oh, Tom could just yeah. fill the list forever. Crazy. And, and then he would seem like a genius. But yeah. like making a self, you know, fulfilling coming up with it himself. Yeah, you're yeah. absolutely right. Yeah. I've often said I'm a better editor than a writer. I think it's kind of the same thing, right? Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like Tom can take someone else's idea and do something with it. He may not be great yet at coming up with the ideas. And that's why they have no idea what to do with this business. Mm. Um, so I get it. And I think it's funny. But I think, again, they just they they hung out in that place too long, much like they hung out too long in the Chris and Ann place. Agreed. Yeah. But again, the A storyline was so powerful uh, and so good. And all the things Swanson about it and Tammy, Tammy Prime, Tammy One, whatever you want to call them. <laughs> uh, and Patricia Clarkson's just her performance and the way they wrote that character. I gave the episode an 8.5. Wow. I almost gave it an 8, but I decided it was it had the promise of a better episode. So I let it round up to the 8.5. Wow. I can't fault you for that. I mean, I, I remember I remember when I first watched this episode, not critically like we are now. Yeah, yeah. But I came away with the episode with so many like fun, memorable moments yep. all from the A story. I know it. That it's almost like if I could just look at it like be 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 like I'm just watching yeah. for the first time. Like, man, that's a good episode. I love Tammy Zero, Tammy One. I watch it critically and go, uh, cause, cause it's, it's just, I feel like we both bit. fell into the trap. Right? Yeah. 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 And, and I think our two scores represent the two bookends of that kind of swing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, well done, Mark. Yeah. I think we, we covered that one well. And, uh, you know, there's not much more to say. They just don't all hit it out of the park. This one had the potential. It just didn't swing hard enough. So, but to be clear, an 8.0, even for me, I'm the lowest of the two. Yeah. An 8.0 is still a good score. And this is still a very enjoyable episode. Absolutely. It's yeah. just, you can't all have tens. No. And we're back to where we started in, in the sense that we both are in the same ballpark. 
and I'm slightly higher than you are in my score. Mm. And we we were in that place for a really long time. Yeah. Yeah, so I think you're right. We've we've kind of come full circle here at the beginning of season four. I would agree. So we'll have to see what happens with the rest of season four. Yep. All right. Well, everybody, thank you for joining us this week. And we'll see you next week when we cover season four, episode three, Born and Raised. That's right. Yep. Looking forward to that one. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Live from Pawnee is a copyrighted production of the creators. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Original music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompawnee.com for more details or to contact us. Thank you.